In a world where geek is now chic, what was once deemed nerdy or geeky has become fashionable. What used to be odd and different is now part of mainstream culture. The way we consume our entertainment has changed with the advent of new and meaningful technology. Comic books are no longer stories just for kids. They've become all-age entertainment with mature subject matter, rivaling the depth of the very best novelists. They've become a driving force behind a large portion of American entertainment. Costuming has gone from being a small but loyal subculture to a highly visible art form thanks to science fiction and comic book conventions that celebrate cosplay and fandom. Thanks to Marvel, DC, Star Wars, Star Trek, and many others, the movie landscape has changed forever. Through Doctor Who, Game of Thrones, The Walking Dead, and more, once genre shows are now mainstream rating giant. We are a podcast that looks at the comic book culture. We are a podcast that talks about the cosplay community. We are a podcast that can't help but dissect the movies and shows we watch. We are. We are. We are. The Galaxy Cast. Welcome to this episode of the Galaxy Cast. I have with me three and the people in the studio. I have with me Austin the Inquisitor. I feel like we should just jump in the video game nerd. Why not? Austin the Nerd. <laughs> I have with me Gary the Stud. That would be me. And I am your host, Bob Christman, as always. And today, we, tonight, today, tonight, I kind of mix those together. We don't have much to talk about. I got to be honest with you. I mean, at least before. We talk about the TV show we watched this week, which ironically is not a Star Wars show. We don't have a lot to talk about. I, I think things are shut down. Austin, why are things shut down? COVID. Because COVID. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we don't have COVID, but apparently the rest of the world does. And as long as we stay in our bunker down here in the Star Production Studios, I think we're going to be safe. Because COVID. Because COVID. Right. I mean, like, it, you know, look at all the cool things we, we get to, like hang out around. I mean, so why yeah. wouldn't we hang out in our bunker? Yeah, they get to hang out with me. Stay down here. <laughs> yeah. Gary's the most important part of our hangout session. So, right next to Slave Leia. So, I mean, it's 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 a tie. It's a toss-up. We have Gary. We have Slave Leia. I'm not sure which one I want to look at more. So, you know, we Well, no, it's me. Yeah, we, we hang out We hang out in our bunker down All here. All right. We've already reached this level. <laughs> um, oh, dude, you have no idea. Okay. So... We have two things we're going to talk about at the beginning of this episode. We're going to talk about Falcon and Winter Soldier. We've just released a set video uh, and a little bit about what's going on with the Falcon and Winter Soldier. And then my son brought up a article from Screen Rant titled nice. Star Wars, five characters who deserved bigger roles and five who deserved smaller. And I'm sure it is going to create a tussle and a debate. I just was scrolling through Facebook. I just found it. I was not looking for something. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so Falcon and Winter Soldier, the set video just came out showing U.S. agent, who, by the way, is played by Wyatt Russell. Uh, I kind of agreed with Gary when he was like, who's that? I was like, I don't know. Let's go find out. And I got to be honest, I think the answer is 
I don't know. <laughs> I think he's, he's kind of a he, uh, his like oldest role is back in '98. Well, and it and, was a uh, it was a bit part in the background. Yeah, '96 and, and '98 he was undocumented in the background essentially, and then 2010. He was he played Todd and Soldier. <laughs> right, right. And that, so, that, that's all that matters. That's really all that matters. And by the way, if you don't know what that means, we don't either. I mean, uh, he was in Arrested Development, which I think was a Netflix for show. one episode, it looks like. Maybe, like, He yeah. was in the Walking Dead webisodes for three. Ooh. I'm not even... This guy's kind of a nobody, to be honest with you. I, I'm sure there are other people that are going to write to the show and be like, what are you talking about? He was in 22 Jump Street. He was Sean Dud Dudley in Lodge 49. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. I think that's a TV show. I'm not even sure. Oh, it says TV series. <laughs> so that's got to be what it is. But I, I, I don't know who this guy is. Here's what I will tell you. Of all the Captain Americas, John Walker is actually my favorite. And I know a lot of people are like, wait, what? Like, why would you yeah. like that version of Captain America? You want to know I like that version of Captain America? Because the guy kicks A as Captain America. It's like Captain America unhinged. And that's the one thing I like about the video. You see him losing his... You see him using Cap shield and beating the ever-living out of somebody... Using we, the shield. We can't see who. It's too far away. No, we can't. It could be, for all we know, it's Zemo. You know what I mean? We don't know exactly who it is. I, but I would, I would laugh if it was Falcon and he's beating the crap out of Falcon. Maybe. Because... I don't know. It could be. Or even Winter Soldier himself, Sebastian Stan. We don't yeah. know. Could Puck. be. U.S. agent. Because it's Captain America with the not... You know, it's, it's like Captain America... But he's not a Boy Scout. Yes, thank you. That's what I was trying to get at. He's Captain America. If you take the Boy Scout aspect out of it, and he just is a bad A, and 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 that's what I like about U.S. Agent. It's like taking the Captain America role, but taking some of the the tie downs of Captain America out, and just letting the guy be a guy. And what would a guy with that kind of power do? And and I really think that's what U.S. Agent is. I don't know. I'm looking forward to it. I. I, I like the idea that we're going to see Batrock in there. We're going to see Zemo. We've seen some set photos of Zemo, and that. he looks pretty amazing, actually, Didn't on the set we photos. we have Batrock and Winter Soldier, or was that, like... Uh, we had Batrock the Leaper on the ship, and I yeah. believe that was Winter Soldier, yes. Yes. But here's the thing. I, from what I can remember, uh, first off, he got away. He got captured later on in the movie. Yeah, I think he got captured, but he, he, got captured. he escaped. He escaped. I'm pretty sure he escaped. And okay. Probably Zemo's the one that, uh, Probably released him, yeah. I'm thinking. Uh, and here's the other thing I, I, I think we're going to see. I, Batrock was never officially Batrock. Like, he wasn't in the jumpsuit Batrock. He had the purple and orangey pants. No, he didn't. If yeah, you remember, he, yeah, he was... Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. Mm, when I, he was talking in French with Cap and Cap took off his helmet, he had the... Purpley with an orange stripe down the side. It wasn't I'm exactly. I'm pretty the sure same. he did not. So I think you're going to see Batrock the Leaper, as in Batrock the Leaper. Here's the other thing I always liked about Batrock the Leaper: they didn't show. They did not show him with like the mustachey goatee thing, and I think it would be cool to see him that way. So production started on this again, uh, and it's interesting to know that they're now uh, what a full year out now. I think from it being released on Disney Plus. Uh, now, one other thing I thought we could talk about while we are talking about this. Disney's under a lot of pressure all of a sudden to release Black Widow on Disney Plus because theaters are not helping the situation here with COVID. No, it's uh, not, some, not the theater's fault. It's not the theater's fault. You're right. There are some states that are allowing people to go to theaters and some states that aren't. AMC and Regal have both decided to file bankruptcy 
which I find interesting because it sounds like both major theater chains are about to go under, go belly up. And if the two major theater chains go belly up, I don't know what's left. I mean, that's, you know, my wife and I were just talking about that the other night. Like, all you have left then is the personally owned theaters, right? The small itty-bitty ones and your drive-ins, which are kind of popping up as a big popular thing again all of a sudden. But they're not going to be popular in the winter. I mean, that's that's not feasible. Yeah. You know, we live in New York State, for those people that don't know. I mean, that's, you know, outside theater, not a thing. Sorry. Once we hit, like... I would say in the next month or so, um, end of November, early December, uh, going outside for theater is not going to be a thing that's even possible. Um, I would even start to suggest even right now it's starting to not be possible. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't know. Do you theorize that maybe it's they're filing Chapter 11 or bankruptcy to cover their ass for the expenses so that they can maybe after COVID be able to open doors up and get back that, to normal that thing? Is, that is a, I, you've obviously read some of the articles, that is one of these well, summizations that is being made that they're trying to protect themselves right now from debt collectors who might, you know, people that want to collect rent on their theaters, people that they may owe money to, like, you know, popcorn vendors and stuff like that. Coke. Coca-Cola. It's, it's a possibility that they're just trying to protect themselves from liability. And nothing says that they that they won't be gone forever. That they can't come uh, back. AMC has hinted that they don't want to leave forever, and Regal has said they are only shuttering their doors as in an effort. How they word it? They're shuttering their doors in an effort to cut cost expenses. So basically, they're telling their employees go find another job. We don't think we're going to be back anytime soon. Basically, trying to make sure that they cut their losses. And I even think they're telling their general managers to go find other jobs. They're they're right. they, basically they, cutting the entire staff and they, just saying go. They can close the doors and uh, save on electricity and heating and stuff like right, that. Right, exactly. So and I think that it might be able to get away with rent for a while because they're not using the building, so therefore they don't need to rent the building. And there's an argument for or against that. You know, there's the president's done some things that potentially could help in that situation. But yes. Um, but I think the big thing here, that it, the big question that's really at hand, uh, and we'll get to the bigger question, which you're bringing up, which is the movie industry. We'll, let's, we'll get to that one in a second. I want to talk about the Disney situation here. So Black Widow has been produced, filmed, edited. It's done. It's in the can. It's, it was ready to go when COVID hit. As a matter of fact, we were what a month and a half out from it being in the theaters. Yeah, and so there was. There's been a push for Disney to wait till theaters open back up. The problem is most theaters in most states are not opening back up anytime soon. Anytime soon, and so now there is an investor in Disney who's trying to get Disney to release Black Widow on Disney Plus and do it kind of like so, Mulan, kind of like Mulan. But let me ask you guys first. Do you think that's a good idea? Do you think opening up Black Widow on a Disney Plus app is a good idea? What do you guys think? Gary, what do you think? Yes and no. Okay. Um, the reason why I say that is um, to keep your content fresh, mm-hmm. you got to start someplace by releasing new, new content for it. And right now, that's the only thing that's new for them. That they can put out for a month or two, that right. that'd be considered new. And no, because then that make the money that they made, you know, so to to reimburse themselves from what they spent on making the movie. Okay. Because I'm not going to pay twenty dollars to watch it. 
Well, it's an extra $10 on top of the subscription, because that's what it was for Mulan. It was a similar thing. That they did that, and I'm sorry, it was a spectacular failure. Well, I think Mulan was a failure for different reasons. I'll talk about that in a second. I'm just kind of getting your, your opinions on... I feel do you it, think this is a good idea for Disney Plus to put Black Widow on their app? I'm saying a very hard no, because it is... There's something about going to a movie theater and the screen and the surround sound system there that you cannot get, and I say this with all of the world with your sound surround system, that you cannot get at home. Well, yeah, your experience. But at the same time, though, you got to keep your stuff fresh. I'll agree, but you have Dis- you have The Mandalorian coming out at the end of okay. the month. Okay, The Mandalorian's like nine episodes. Right. I get it's nine episodes, but that's something. And... I would even advocate maybe start trying to push through WandaVision and Falcon Winter Soldier, try to push those. But they can't. They're because year out. Not, they're, they're not even done producing them yet. They're not even filmed. <laughs> right. They're not even in the can. Oh. So here's where I'm I'm actually seeing. Now, Gary's getting to my point. Actually, you're starting to make my point for me. Disney Plus is getting dry. There's not much there. Except for old Disney films, old Disney TV shows, all the things you watched before is either as an adult or a kid. Okay, new content-wise, Disney's not really releasing much on their app. And I, I actually understand what this investor is saying. Disney went out and made a huge gamble on their streaming service and put this Disney Plus app out. And then they went, oh, we don't have content. Crud. And they quick started scrambling to get all this Marvel stuff together. And it was great, but then COVID hit. And the really weird thing is they have this thing. They have this anchor that could be huge okay now i'm not saying there's not a ton of people on the disney plus app there are tons of people have it but i'm saying if you want to get the rest of everybody who's geeky and nerdy totally buying into your disney plus app throw black widow on there and watch what happens now i get what you're saying gary i know you wouldn't pay 20 dollars to watch the movie and it was actually 30 to watch mulan oh i have a feeling they'll bump that price point up to maybe 40 for black widow but let me ask you, if somebody like myself were to pay 40 and invite a bunch of people over to watch the movie, you'd happily go, right? Yeah. Do you get what my point is there? As long as you don't charge me any money to, to yeah. watch no, it. No, I get know? it. I totally get what you're saying. <laughs> but what I'm saying is I totally could see people like doing watch parties, well, the, you know what I mean? Inviting people over and watching Black Widow together. There, there's even Kind a- of creating your own movie experience in your home as best as you can. And watch the movie together. For me, if I'm Disney, the longer Black Widow sits on the shelf, the more money you're losing. The more money you're losing in okay. the long run. Kind of like dead loss if it sits yeah, there long it, enough. Yeah, this okay. is kind of like a grocery store. The longer that can sits on the shelf, now, the more money you've lost, right? No, now, here's the other problem I got with Disney. They bought uh, Fox's movie rates. They did? To everything. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. They are a G, maybe PG, rated app. Correct. There's a lot of content that they could put out, and they're not doing it because it's rated R or... Or, or worse. <laughs> and, that, and, that's, and that's a big mistake for them. I agree with you. You know, they should allow that on there. I agree. I, I Well, even if it's on, and I know what they're doing. I know they want to be, like, family kid-friendly. I'm actually for that. I like that idea. Good concept, good idea. I was going to say. But why not have, like, a double-blinded type app, right, where you've got your kid side of the app, 
And then maybe you have to enter a passcode to enter the adult side of the app. Or you, know you have it set up kind of like what Netflix and YouTube do is they track the age groups of these accounts. So you have, when you put your account in, you have to put an age in. And you can it locks videos. Yeah, as long as you're being honest <laughs> about I, who's on the account at what age. You know what I mean? And I get what you're saying. I'm I'm saying you could do it past however you decide you to could, do it. You could but, set up parental controls, right. which is an option. <laughs> but again, the parent has to be there. And Correct. The parent has to give a credit. Right. Correct. There, there has to be a decision made in that house on that, how that's going to be and handled. On, and on a side note, Disney did update their app so you can do a virtual watch party. I know so that. when you click on it, you can click but, virtual watch party. So that is an option as well. But my argument is, okay, you want to stay fresh, release Black Widow, whatever else you might have that's in the can that you're waiting for the theaters to open back up with. Release it on the app. And also release the other stuff that you got in your library. Right. I agree with you, Gary. No, yep. there, there's a lot of Disney stuff that's out that is yep. out, but they're not releasing it yet. I agree. Mm-hmm. They, they got to start doing something to draw people in. And what they're doing right now, this little trickle, 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 it's not enough. It's, I mean, when you compare it with Netflix, Hulu, other other streaming services, uh, they're getting their, I mean, they're getting their money's worth. Don't, don't get me wrong. They're earning money off of stuff that's older than Sin, right? But at the same time, I'm not sure it's enough. I'm not sure they're making enough to compete with Netflix and Hulu right. and some of these other services. <laughs> I can almost say that COVID actually it was the downfall for Disney+. Plus. It might actually. have been. Yeah, I agree with you, Gary. Because the people are stuck inside, they stream everything. <laughs> exactly. Right, and so now everybody's seen everything on Disney+, Plus because they haven't had any more content on. A lot of people have actually gotten it. Ruth's talked about that. She's at the end of Disney+, Plus, as she put it. In other words, it's kind of like playing that video game, right? You play the story, you get to the end, you're kind of like, well, now I'm done. You know, like, you don't have anything else to do on the game, you know? And she kind of feels like she's seen everything she wants to see on Disney+. Plus. There's nothing more for her to watch. She's well, done with it, right? Well, well, here's the questions I got for you. Have you watched Disney+, Plus at all, Bob? I've the- watched it quite a bit. What movies did you watch on it? Um... That I mean, was that was actually Disney movies, man. Like we watched like Hocus Pocus and stuff like that. I watched uh, Davy Crockett. <laughs> um, I mean, I took some. You know, I, I watched some things to take myself back. You know, nostalgia type things. And, COVID when he's stuck inside, right? And, and well, like stuff. I haven't watched any of Marvel stuff on there, and all, one of the reasons I haven't done it, to be honest, is because I own them all on Blu-ray. Why wouldn't I watch? Right. Pull out my Blu-ray player and do that. You know. Um, uh, I watched all the all the Herbie the Love Bug movies. <laughs> Bedknobs and Broomsticks. Okay. All right. A movie that I would not really go out of my way to watch is what I'm watching right now. See, now we watched a whole bunch of, like, the Disney Imagineering, all that whole series. We watched that. Uh, What's the collectible one about the uh, Disney collections? I forget. We watched the... The prop... Prop Hunt. Right. We or watched... Prop, prop we, Fiction. Prop, prop fiction. fiction, thank you. We watched the Jeff Goldblum series, which actually is pretty good. I highly recommend it if you haven't watched Muppets it. Muppets Now. That wasn't We've watched one. Muppets Now because my and family's we, big into we, Muppets. We got to the end of it and went, that's it? Well, We're, I mean, we, I think they left it open-ended for next season. I, uh, I kind I, of feel like, and I say this, with some of your other shows, like Muppets, you can do that in a controlled stage. Yeah. Just keep producing. No, I get it. Instead of having them like produce and then let stop and then produce and then stop. But again, COVID hit. That I, I'm thinking that's what played a role here. And um, I, I haven't looked in a while on it, 
Do they have the original Muppet uh, shows on there? Yeah, they do, actually. Yes. It has the original Muppets on there? Yes. Yeah, it does. I haven't gone through that yet, but it's there. But if you remember, I a couple of years ago, well, it's probably about a decade now, I watched all of them in yeah, order. We were, you guys watched We with were me. doing it in the right. family reunion in, yep. in Tennessee. Yep. We and watched we, them all we, in, in order, all of them. Well, that's where you get the chairs idea. Yep. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, that's that's... So, yeah, I've watched quite a bit of content on there. Probably not as much as I think I'd like to I, if I had more time, which being a teacher in the middle of this thing has not given me time. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I've watched quite a bit. Uh, actually, we started The the Right Stuff, the TV show, Just which I didn't even know was a TV show. I thought it was a, the movie. Uh, we started that last night, so that, that was another thing we watched. And it's actually been causing me to ask questions about space stuff because I have not been able It's okay. History has not taught us space. So, so yeah, I mean, I've watched some stuff, but I mean, like, I, I guess my big question is, if they put Black Widow on there, do they lose money or do they gain money? And I guess that's the next question. Do you guys think they lose money on that deal? Would you know? Let's I'd, say they they bump it up to forty dollars because it's a it's a higher end movie. You're paying actors and actresses. Do you think they they lose money if they bump it up to forty dollars to I, watch it? I would bet that two thirds of the Marvel audience would buy into it, so you would make some money. Oh no, I think you get about ninety percent of the Marvel audience. Not but even you two- have people who wouldn't want to pay forty dollars to watch it. Well, the only reason why I wouldn't pay forty dollars to watch it is because if it was in the theater, I'd be paying maybe twenty. Right. Total. I get what you're saying. You'd be paying for total twice that for the ticket total. That's the the ticket and my popcorn. Right. Right, and he's and the reason I say that is because he's a single guy, right? Like, and that's yeah. where I'm talking about like watch parties, right? Like mm-hmm. somebody who's a single person, I can understand where you wouldn't pay forty dollars. My family of five paying forty dollars, paying forty dollars is more. like <laughs> yes, because like that's a deal for us. I was gonna say, wasn't it like we normally... pay forty dollars just to walk in the door, and that doesn't include the popcorn and everything else that goes with it. I was gonna say forty dollars is just tickets alone, right? It's actually a little more than that, but I mean, like, do it's you probably closer to fifty. So for a family, say, that's a deal. When yeah. you're a single person, it's kind of a ripoff. Not it, so much, right? And especially, I'm already buying their service. Right. Why do I need it? Why? What? Okay, I'm paying ten dollars a month for it, and then I got paid another forty dollars on top of that to watch a movie. And I think that was the turnoff to Mulan that a lot of people started the question. Not necessarily the production, but just the hey, I'm already paying for your service. Why would I pay thirty dollars more to watch something on your service? Yeah. Right, and, and in my opinion, they should have started out with like Snow White or um, Cinderella before they went ahead and did. They did do a Cinderella. I don't know this back time. back in twenty twelve. They did a Cinderella, I believe. Yeah, and but, it wasn't all that great from what I heard. But you got to keep it true to the form. You just can't. Right. They did Aladdin, and Aladdin was okay. But I get what you're saying, Gary. The 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 draw's not there right now for right. the I, I've never watched Mulan. Mulan never interested me. Right. See, now I like the, the, the cartoon Mulan now. I think my kids kind of beat it into my head, so I really didn't have much of a choice. Around here, Mulan became a thing in my house. It, yeah. It, and again, like Bob said, I'm a single guy. Right. I'm not going to seek out these things. Right. No. Right. You're right, Gary. If I were if I were a bachelor, and I'm being honest about that, I don't think I'd be seeking Mulan out. It's my kids that turned me on to the cartoon. But then when we found out that the meat that the live the movie is nothing like the cartoon, right. then I was kind of like, well, eh. you know, like why would say. I go? <laughs> why would I go see that? I uh, I scrolled through like YouTube and a couple times, and I saw a video about like Mulan review. I'm like, 
Alright, well, let's go down the rabbit hole. Well, okay, so music's gone. Uh, it's a live action. You can't really do that. Oh, Mushu's gone. Okay. And it's dark. <laughs> like, alright, we've gone down that rabbit hole. Oh, and by the way, Mulan is, you know, like, more manly than you would expect. Yeah, they call her Butch. Right. <laughs> that she's kind of, like, OP to begin with, and she already knows how to fight, and then all of a sudden she's trained to be even... Well, that's what the whole... That's what the about. actual story was, right. though. Yeah, that's but she apparently knows already how to sword fight versus in the movie, the animated one, she didn't. Again, if you were... If the, you go to the original the, story, right. the text, that's the way it was, yes. Now, in my defense, I would watch this stuff with my mom, who's 80 years old, and she likes this type of stuff. And that's the reason why I did get Disney+. Plus. It wasn't because of anything else. And, and we're watching the stuff, and geez, she's even getting tired of the stuff. So here's where I'm at. I'm, I'm, I've always kind of wondered this since Mulan came out. Do you think more people would have watched Mulan if Disney had charged more for their app per month and just released Mulan into the app? Do you get what I'm saying? So like, I think right now you're, you're paying, what, like 18 bucks, maybe 20 bucks a month for Disney. I thought so it's closer to 10 uh, no, actually, it's... I, I well, saw we were, got it for 10 because we no, bought it early. I looked it up. It's seven ninety nine per month. That's just by itself. Is that... I don't know. Yeah. Okay. okay. Um, me and my nephew went in on it. He wanted the uh, ESPN and, and right, Hulu, the Hulu and stuff. So we're paying about $20, $20 for the whole package a month. Right. So I, I'm pretty sure it's 20 bucks for... I, you're not paying the bills, dude. Trust me. It's about 20 bucks a month. Um... So and now he's going to go on the internet to try to prove me wrong. No, right. this is I'm going to Google does. for my own uh, my own knowledge. So about twenty bucks a month. Yeah, he's going to prove you wrong. Uh, so what if they bumped it up? And I'm just proposing this idea. What if they bumped it up to like thirty five dollars a month, but put these movies out there on the app, or even forty dollars a month, and put the movie out there on the app, but didn't charge you for it? Do you think would that be an appeal to you, Gary? No. So don't you think that would turn you off to the app? It, w- it would. I would. I, I want to get it. See that's that's where I don't I don't know how, and this is where this is a beer, weird business model. How does Disney make the money back on these multi billion dollar movies that they've put out there that they've got a streaming service for, but people wouldn't be willing to pay the money? Do you know what I mean? Like that's that's I guess that's the problem. According to Disney's website, is six dollars and ninety nine cents per month, sixty nine point ninety nine cents annually. And twelve ninety nine with a bundle with ESPN and Hulu Plus. See, he had to prove us wrong. Yeah, not proving it you wrong. I was looking it up. You, the, you, you proved this wrong. I was putting facts out. You proved this wrong. I'm not proving you wrong. I was putting facts out. You proved this wrong. Interesting thoughts about Winter Soldier, about U.S. Agent, and about putting Black Widow on Disney Plus. Now, I, I will say this about Disney Plus. Good. The Marvel's one-offs or whatever you want to call these TV shows. Yeah. was a positive for me to get it. Right. Another and I haven't seen crap yet. Right. I agree with you, Gary. I, I, Why I, would they launch an app <laughs> with the promises of this stuff coming and you don't have the stuff, they don't have the content made even before COVID even See, struck? I think they needed to wait. I'm being honest about that. It's, yes, you had Mandalorian in the bag. But wait till you've got Winter Soldier, WandaVision, uh, Mandalorian. Like, have, and this is what Netflix did. Before they launched, they had a year's worth of TV shows, original TV shows, planned. Before they went 
live with their streaming service. Now, I'm not talking about Netflix because a lot of people don't understand. Netflix was a delivery blockbuster service first. So a lot of people don't know that. Okay, so when Blockbuster was around, you could go rent a movie. Netflix's draw was you could rent a movie online and have it sent to your house. Without leaving your home. Without leaving your home. So instead of having to go out to Blockbuster and go pick the movie I wanted to go see, I could go online, find the movie I wanted, and have them send it to me in the mail, and And, I could watch it at my convenience. And and technically, you didn't have any late fees either on it. Right. And then then didn't they introduce the first online streaming of movies? They were the first ones to introduce streaming. But again, before they went live with their online service, they made sure this was what actually was the, the precipice for doing it. They had a full year's worth of original TV shows, a full year's worth already, before they launched. So they could launch and be like, hey, you can watch this movie, that movie. Oh, and here's a new TV show. Check it out. Right? Hmm. So that was their their claim to fame. Now, Hulu did it the other way around. And Hulu failed at first. A lot of people realize that. Hulu launched with, hey, we own Fox. And, hey, we own, I forget what else. ESPN and I think it's ABC. And here's Hulu. And oh, by the way, uh, right now we're just a live streaming service, just like your TV. And people were like, well, why would I go pay for Hulu when I can go turn my TV on <laughs> and go watch and go watch there. Fox or ABC or whatever? When, right. What What's the point and, behind that? And you didn't have to wait until the next day, <laughs> right? Because right. with to watch Hulu, you did. And and so Hulu kind of went crud. And so what did they do? They did what Netflix did. Oh, we better produce some TV shows. And they literally kind of eked themselves along until they had a year where they finally had a full year's worth of original shows and then went out and did the same thing Netflix did. And this is where Disney did not learn from the other models. They should have been prepared before they launched. They weren't. They should have waited for Winter Soldier and WandaVision. Now, unfortunately, Gary, this is a valid point. If they would have waited, they might not even be live right now. Do you right. know what I'm saying? Like they wouldn't even have the opportunity to put Black Widow out at all. Right. Which means totally would have crushed Disney from beginning to end, top to bottom. I don't know. Maybe they did do the right thing by trying to get it out before. I mean, like, there's no way anybody could know COVID was going to come along. But I mean, maybe just trying to get the app out was what saved them in the long run. Only time is going to tell, I guess, about that. But these are all valid questions that we we can be asking and and things we should know. You know, the but when they first came out and said that we're going to have our own app and that we're going to have our own TV shows and stuff. They should have had at least two full series done or at least the special effects needed to be done. Right. I agree. That's what they should have had before yep. they even announced it. Yeah, I, I think they were desperate to get an audience to jump onto their platform. So they announced these things to get people to jump onto it before they had a plan. And that's where I think they went wrong. They didn't have a plan. They should have had a plan coming into it. And so I think their plan kind of went, oh, crap, we need a plan. <laughs> and that, that's my take on it. If you rush it, it shall fail. Right. <laughs> now, Mr. Flanagan. everybody's going to disagree with that because what's the one thing they had that's original? What's the one big thing they had that was original? Mandalorian. And was it a success? Yes. Absolutely. It, it was. was the only... I, it was the only reason I think Disney Plus stayed afloat. Think about it. It's the only thing people talked about for, you know, three months. We're three. <laughs> we're, we're Scout we're, Troopers punching a baby. That's we, what we are a complete about. year later. And what is on all over the Internet? 
Baby Yoda on every meme under the face of the earth. Yes, chicken I hate, Well, not even Baby Yoda. It's the asset. But yes. whatever. <laughs> but it's everywhere. Don't Why? The audience. Because of the Mandalorian. I mean, that's if had it not been for that show, okay, I don't think we'd be I don't think we'd be where we are. Nope. So anyway. Interesting things to talk about. I'm excited about Winter Soldier. I don't know how you guys feel about it. Are Gary, are you excited about Winter Soldier coming out? I mean, do you care much about the, the Winter Soldier storyline? Falcons, Winter Soldier. Not really. No? No. Austin, what do you, are you, like, is there anything appealing to this? Are you looking forward to it at all? I'm optimistic because I kind of want to see more of Winter Soldier and Falcon, and I never really understood U.S. Agent, so I kind of want to see how they portray him. I, I'm curious. Okay. I'm the, curiously optimistic at this point. The one thing I can say about U.S. Agent is the guy that they got playing him kind of looks like, like him. Like him, yeah. Right. I was going to say, I think they picked the right guy. I mean, as far as looks... I think they got the right guy. Uh, he's kind of a chiseled. Uh, I, I call him. I always call him football jock Captain America because that's what he is. He's a Very chiseled like, foot. Yeah, yeah. Okay. square chin football jock. You know, like <laughs> Captain America who wouldn't give a crap about anybody else. Quite honestly. So and if Captain Captain America and Wolverine merged into one. Kind no. of. Well, I mean, like the attitude of Wolverine. Yeah, the yeah. I don't give a crap about other people. You know, not necessarily the adamantium claws right, and right, things. Right. But. Right, but the the the, James the, the mentality of the James yeah. Howlett. Okay, so that leads us to our next article from Screen Rant. Again, the title is Star Wars: Five Characters Who Deserve Bigger Roles and Five Who Deserved Smaller. So let's talk about this one. So I'm going to start with I'm, I'm assuming they're putting these in orders of the uh, characters who deserve bigger roles here. So we'll start with number 10. Well, it, I think it was big. I think it's like they mixed them in the room. Yeah. They, they mixed Did they? Them up. Okay. Oh, yeah, it does say. Okay. So somebody they think should deserve a bigger role. Finn from the second trilogy, or third trilogy, I guess is the best way to put it. What do you guys think? Should Finn have had a bigger role, a smaller role, or exactly the same role? What I, do you guys think? Smaller. <laughs> Gary, wow. And, Gary's coming right out of the gate on this one. It... it the characters, there's nothing there for me. I don't, I, I didn't care for him right from the get go. Yeah. Um, what do you think, Austin? After what John Bodega has been done, doing in public eye, I have lost all credit for him, or not, all respect for him as well. For his character, Finn, he, he could have died in the first film and it would have been fine. I feel like his character arc would have been more of a soldier who rebelled against his programming and he died. Great. It, Sacrifice. I, I, I want to add something else on this, alright? If anybody deserved a Skywalker title, it's him. For being a whiny ass. <laughs> <laughs> like Luke in A New Hope? Okay. Yes. And even Anakin to a point. Right, right. I get, I get what you're saying. I, you know, first off, I want to correct something. John Boyega is how you pronounce oh, his name. Did I pronounce it wrong? You said Bodega or something like that. Um, <laughs> Bodega. <laughs> yeah, you said Bodega, which is Whatever, the place you go it? to actually buy things in New York City. But Boyega is how you pronounce his name. Pardon First me. First off, I want to I want to couch it with this. Uh, this has nothing to do with race, skin color, any of that stuff. Mm -hmm. I have to say that because I don't want people coming down on me, especially people from certain groups. I'm, I'm just being clear. Uh, I don't think his character was all that important. I blame the story writing for that quite a bit. I think he could have been a cool character. I thought he was kind of a cheap attempt at mixing Han Solo and Luke Skywalker into one. 
I'll agree with you on that. Yeah, and, and, yeah. And so if you really kind of look at him as a character, that's kind, kind of, of what he is. Kind of the... And here's what I'm saying. If you really want to kind of think that through for just a second, and this really kind of would blow some people's minds and they get mad at me for saying I don't care. Make him a white dude. And then tell me that he's not Luke and Han mixed into one. I was going to say, the cockiness of Han and then the heroicness of Luke. Okay, so it's, again, it's there. I think that's why everybody, I think, jumps to his aid and say we should have had a bigger role because he was african-american no He's, he should have had better writing if that's what you wanted so to me and, and, and that's that, what you needed and that is a problem with star wars characters since phantom menace since, yeah well i well i would say even from the beginning of the time i think most characters uh had poor writing behind them and i think some characters were fortunate enough to have good actors to make them better and i think some of them had the unfortunate role of not having good enough actors to make the bigger um, so I think it went both ways. I kind of felt like it was more of, we have these interviews now coming out with Adam Driver and Daisy Ridley and with Finn, because I'm not going to pronounce his name right. John Boyega. John Boyega. Um, and he has said that he and Kathleen Kennedy got into arguments about him saying that he felt as his character had no answer, that they basically put him in and had nothing with him. They ba- He basically cursed on TV and said... Whenever it came to Ridley or Driver, you knew what you were doing. But whenever it came to me, you had no effing plan. And and I got and, it again. It goes, that goes back to writing, right? So they writ, wrote a small or bad character. All right, let's go on to the next one. The smaller role, Jar Jar Binks. I'm gonna go last in this one because mm. y'all know where I stand on Jar Jar. I. What do you think, Austin? Jar Jar, bigger or smaller role? I felt his role was big enough as it is. And the reason why I advocate that he is there, and it's very much the same way of Lu- uh, Lucas's explanation is, you have a very dark and gritty story being told about the re-rising of the Sith. The Sith. Wow. The re-rising of the Sith. Okay. The clone army being built and this politic war and corruption being played and the Sith past are getting into the background of things. So you have this dark storyline being played. You need some comedy elements. Jar Jar was there as a bumbling idiot to be a comedy skit. He was essentially your comic foil, and that right. was really what he was there for. I didn't see it as a bad thing. Maybe some of his rhymes could have been written differently. Maybe he could have been written a little bit better, but his role size was fine. It okay. was writing that was the issue. All right, Gary, what do you what do you think? The, he, the last part of what he said is exactly right. The writing, he had a big writing issue because the original scripts... From what I've read, whether it's 100% true or not, they should have stuck with the original idea. What was the, what original? Was the original idea for Jarger? He was the Phantom Menace. And there is a reference in the documentation on this article that talk about the dark Jar Jar theory, which is saying that he's a dark lord that works for Palpatine. Because if you notice, he kind of set up everything for for Palpatine to take I, power. See, this is where I would have said, go big. Go big or go home with Jar Jar, right? Because, like... If you make him the Sith, and he is the Phantom Menace, think about it. He played his role brilliantly. He, he gave Palpatine <laughs> his powers. He, he was not an apprentice to Palpatine. It was the other way around. Great, Palpatine was an apprentice to him. Yes. So you're saying that he was the next reincarnation of Plagueis? No. No? no. Okay. Well. He was the big bad that Palpatine found out about and used him for his own purposes. Right. And if he had stayed the Sith that he was supposed to have been, that would have been an awesome reveal 
and, and you can use the bumbling idiot as a guy to exactly. hide what he is really. Exactly. Right. Exactly. You get, the, you can get to the middle of episode three, and he stabs Palpatine in the back. Right now, yeah. what planet are they both from? Ta- uh, Naboo. Naboo. Exactly. That's how they found each other. Is the dark, the darkness, rose, and Palpatine. And that's, that's what I was going to say, Gary. I would have said I would have made his role bigger, and I would have gone yes. bigger, go home. I should explain. And I would have made his character the central role yep. to the to the trilogy and, prior to the original trilogy. And I'm at best yes. even said the same thing. Yeah, yes. I, I, and I want to give it a note to my best. I feel bad that people gave him hate mail. I really don't feel it's fair to him. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't write the character. He only portrayed it. And, and at the yep. same and at the same time. When Lucas made was going to make these three movies, he came out and said, the first one's going to be for the kids, the second one's going to be for the teeny boppers, and the third yeah, one was supposed to be for the adults. adults. Yep. Yep. And he backtracked on everything. He did. Okay, so let's go to the next one, number eight. So someone who should have had a bigger role, Padme Amidala. I'll answer this one first. Hell no. <laughs> no. Sorry. Uh, matter of fact, I kind of felt like Padme's whole role was a little too big and a little too trumped up, uh, not to use you know so so vivacious <laughs> a word. But I I I did not like the whole idea of well she died giving birth because she loved people so much and she was so much in love. Bull. Okay. I, I matter of fact, I thought Padme's whole role was kind of uh, pointless, other than the fact that she gave birth to Luke. And Leia, and we knew that had to happen. Why? Because without her, Luke and Leia don't exist. I didn't like the character at all, the way all the way through. And I got to be honest, it wasn't writing. It, uh, to me, it was acting on this one. I'm sorry, I'm gonna go the other way on, on this one. I blame Natalie Portman completely for playing such kind of a wimpy character. I, I just she when didn't you, strike me as being a strong woman. When you think Princess Leia, I'm yes. sorry, Carrie Fisher played such a strong role, and like. Like hogtied those guys and whipped them around. You know, get this walking carpet out of my way. Somebody's All got that to save her stuff, skins. Right? And and then you get Padme Amidala, and she's got these outrageous outfits, these crazy off the wall hairstyles. Which, by the way, Carrie Fisher had too. But yet somehow she makes it seem so. I don't even know. Like I, I just I didn't like the way she played the character. I I have so to, I have to agree. No. As I see it, is is she's a senator, but she's also not a senator. She's less into politics and more into trying to fight battles. She talks with Anakin about how making a government who will force people to make decisions is not government that is representational. It is a democracy, uh, the dictatorship, and that's not fair. And I'm sitting here going, so we're bringing the politics in. She was only there to bring politics into the matter. She was only there to bring modern-day politics into Star Wars and cram it together, and it just felt disjointed. And when you compare her to her daughter, who literally saves Han and Leia or Han, Luke, and Chewie from a blaster fight in the in the detention cells, she compares. She's very wimpy. Even in the Clone Wars TV series, which is slightly better, I find her slightly more uh, of a better character in the Clone Wars animated series than in the movies. She is a different character, and it's better. Okay, Gary, what do you think? I think she should have been more fleshed out, more so than made a bigger role. Okay. We know she's the youngest queen elected into the 
monarchy of the boo. Right. But I never knew a queen could get elected into it. Right. So that kind of took away a lot from her. And like you guys are saying, she trying to be this big baddie that can wield a blaster fire and kick Major A and the... And she didn't never happened. It never pulled off. It never got pulled off. Right. And I don't know if that's the acting, the writing. I'm going to say more of the direction because yeah, Lucas doesn't direct. He just tells them go at it. Right. Half the time for episode two, they were jumping around in front of a green screen. Okay, so how about number seven? We got smaller role, Supreme Leader Snoke. Thoughts here. Fleshed out more. Okay. He needed a more ominous presence. I felt like he got cut short. Yeah. Because we got to the second movie and he died within like the first half. Considering he's like a giant, he got cut short. Nice pun. Well, well, I... I, And this is, again, where where I I don't know how to feel about Snoke because at first, after the first movie, after The Force Awakens, I would have said, whoa, expand this guy. I want to see. You know, like, I really want to know more about him. And then he dies. (laughs) And I'm kind of like, by the third film, I was kind of like, well, screw it. I don't care anymore. I don't care about Snoke. You know, they could have told me the whole backstory to Snoke in movie three. I wouldn't have cared. That you, when you killed him the way they, you killed him, they, I was kind of like, it was amazing. All right, I'm sorry. That death was the same death. Maybe that was payback, okay? For the, the Kit Fisto, uh, Sicey Tin, who else was in that group? That died uh, trying to take on Palpatine, right yeah. in the office. Okay, uh, because that was cough. They were the that was the crappiest death of three Jedi's who were supposed to be Jedi masters that were supposed to be amazing, and it was like the crappiest death of all three of them. And so, like, I kind of feel like you know, if there was vindication for the that three awful death moment, it was destroying Snoke the way that we destroyed Snoke. Which, again, was in one of the worst fight scenes I've seen in a movie in a long time. You know, not only not only was the Praetorian Guard, like, kind of stupid, honestly, uh, there were massive errors in the fight scenes. And they're still finding massive errors in the fight scenes. Just in the way they were filmed and the things you see. That should never happen in a film. One of the worst action scenes ever and unfortunately Snoke's in the middle of that do I think they made it to make his role bigger I don't know I don't know what you do with Snoke because it was such a, a I don't know and just a disappointment yeah. well I, they, they dropped the bomb because he should they should have came out and said he was Plagueis right I agree and but then they get the episode they get to the third film and they basically say he's the same as the Emperor Vader and and, and play uh, Snoke are all the same person they're all the Emperor because we have this body cloning chamber thing. I don't know if they really said that, though. You had Snoke's face, you had Vader's face, you had Emperor's face, and he says, I have been every face that you have ever seen as a master. Or something along those lines. I can't remember exactly the yeah. I think we need to watch that movie again, because I, I don't I, think he said that. I don't think he said that about Vader, but the the, the the problem I got is is Ryan Johnson just took everything that Abrams had set up. Well, I don't like it. I'm going to make mine. Yeah, he did kind of just poop all over it, really. And, and, and that's why he killed Snoke off as quickly as he did. Yeah. Because everybody was thinking he's Plagueis and everything else, and that's probably what Abrams was leading up to. And he got killed off so quickly that they had to scramble what to do for the third movie. Okay. How about number six? 
Bigger, Captain Phasma. Should they have made Captain Phasma bigger? Yeah. Maybe yeah. more mysterious. Add less... I would advocate that her story was big enough that she needed... That she didn't need anything else. That she was the Boba Fett. She was mysterious in her own right. She, she, she wasn't a Boba Fett to me. She started out to be a good, an awesome character when we first saw stills of her and stuff. And then it was like... She did nothing. And it's not the, a bigger role when it made any, any any difference with her. Again, it's it's poor writing. I think a lot of people wanted her desperately to be the next Boba Fett that had this mysterious background, right? Um, I think a lot of people wanted it to be a big deal that it was a woman under the helmet. I didn't see it as a big deal. Um, yeah, no. I, and that's not me trying to be anti-feminist, but just more of like... Why did it need to be a big deal? I, I guess I, I didn't I didn't understand. I must have missed something along the way on that one. And I just don't know. And I agree with you, Gary. I don't know if giving her a bigger role would have made it better. I'm not even sure if better writing would have made it better. Just because of the stupid things they had her do. Things like, you know, well, she gave in really quick and gave them the codes to get into the Starkiller base. And then gets thrown in a trash compactor. Right. Like, it's just, I don't know. They... they they wanted to treat her like Boba Fett, but then they didn't know what the heck to do with that, or how to do that, I guess. And, and it was just really bad treatment of what could have been amazing character. She, she she should have been more like a like a Tarkin type of character. Yeah. As far as she wasn't scared of Ren, you know, like uh, Tarkin wasn't afraid of Vader. Right. You know that that would have made a lot better for that character. Okay. And then have her do some serious a kicking. And not give up the the plans or the codes for the star, circular base. Okay, so let's move on to number five. Smaller role, Watto. Mm. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think it's okay where, where it was. Yeah, yeah, he had his place. It was kind of like to be the the junk dealer. <laughs> I mean, I guess I, I worry that if you make his role smaller, then Anakin's role is smaller, and then Darth Vader's role is smaller. So yeah, you had to kind of needed to have Watto there in order to make Anakin be a slave, in order to have him yeah. become out of being a slave to understand what that all is. You, you know? kind of needed him to be there in order to create such a dark pit right. inside of him. If not, then he would never have become Vader. Well, yeah. it, it just shows that this is the reason why. Anakin became Vader in a right, way, right? Because he was a slave. Correct, and he was angered as a kid. All right, number four, bigger role, Qui Gon Jinn. What do you guys think? I think he should have made it to at least the Attack of the Clones. Yeah, uh, I could agree with that. I also maybe would wanted to have seen more, more fight choreography out of him. Qui Gon felt very stiff in his fighting. He felt very like following the same line of. See, I agree with both of you guys, but not for the same reasons. I think because he was so wise and so sage, I really wanted to see him start Anakin's training. I really yes. did. And that's the part I was kind of disappointed in. I didn't, I mean, yes, Obi-Wan took over Anakin's training, but I wanted Qui-Gon to start it and then Obi-Wan took over. That's what I would have yeah, liked to have seen. Because Qui-Gon was very much the will of the force shall guide me. Correct. And Obi-Wan tried and to, me, to do that, but it wasn't Right, the same. but to me, what would have given Anakin that, that like defiance mode would have been to learn from Qui-Gon. Because Qui-Gon was very defiant against the Jedi Order, quite yep, honestly. Yep. And I think if you want to put the defiance into Darth Vader, Qui-Gon should have been the one kind of teaching Anakin that. And and, and so, he never did. So you know? if he makes it past episode one, then where does he die? 
Do you I, say he dies in the battlefield? Not on Geonosis. I think that's too far into into. Do you maybe think that him and Obi Wan go to investigate, chasing down Boba uh, Jango Fett, and then Dooku stabs him in the back as a like apprentice to master thing? I must that, cut yes. out my bad and yes, stabs I, him through. I I think if you had killed him off early on with Dooku towards the beginning of Episode Two. Yeah, that, where where the Obi Wan part where you, right where Obi Wan's in suspended, correct? Yeah, yes. you have, you have yes. him in suspense there, and then Dooku just stabs him right through, right, <laughs> and then just walks out like a badass, and you can see Dooku slowly shift and, away from being Jedi style. And to, that would have Anakin ang- or that would have angered Anakin enough so that the scene where the uh, where he goes and kills all of the Sand People mm-hmm. would have made so much more sense because he's still enraged at the idea. That the guy that started to teach him died, and, then, and now he's stuck with this crappy that, Obi Wan Kenobi as his master. I was gonna say that could be something that's added into. See, we should have been writing these films <laughs> into the well, hologram message that Obi Wan sends, saying Master well, Qui Gon has fallen. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll have Qui Gon fallen and Shmi fallen. That made his anger so much, much more. More, right? Exactly. And boil over to the surface to the point where he loses his temper. Yep. Right. Okay. Okay, number three, smaller role, General Hux. I feel, I was going to say this when we were talking about Phasma, so I will use it now. If you took Hux out and put Phasma in and used him, use her as a Tarkin role, and that Kylo Ren would threaten him, uh, Phasma, and Phasma would just stare at him, do you feel that that would have been a great way to take Hux out of the story entirely? Because he's kind of just being, a, and I say this with all the love of the world, a Nazi general. We shall end the Great Republic... And if you put Phasma in, I feel like the story would have been a little better. Maybe not perfect. No, you needed Hux to do that speech. I, I, I can't have anybody else do that speech. Agree. I I just, personally, I don't think Hux was that big of a deal. No. I mean, I... I, 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 I would have, if he died on Starkiller Base and Phasma took up his role in the second film. The, I think that was their desperate attempt to redo Tarkin. Yes. And that was an absolute failure. Not even close. And Tarkin was only pulled off because it was uh, uh, Cushing that yes. did it. Uh, nobody else could have pulled that role no. off. And I'm sorry, they tried. They, tried. <laughs> I give the actor credit, but no, sorry, nobody can do what Cushing does. By and the time he got, he to was the, not Tarkin. By the time he got to that third uh, set, they had another person who was almost looking like Tarkin. Yeah, I get it. Okay, uh, number two, bigger role, Rose Tico. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't get the character. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm, I, see, now this is where I, I really do disagree with some people. I think the only reason that she's been given as much prudence as she has is because of feminism. And I'm sorry, it's just the truth. I hate to bring politics into this, but it's kind of the truth. I really don't think the character played that big of a role. I mean, think about what her initial role was. Her initial role was to keep people from jettisoning from the big ship and being a mechanic and escaping and she was a mechanic she happened to run into finn which made her famous within the resistance and then what what was her role from that point forward well she saved finn and basically gave this long-winded speech about how it's not how we it's not what we fight for it's how we choose to fight for it and i kind of i thought that was like one of the craptastic scenes of that movie and actually, that scene, I think, is one of the scenes, that, to me, that made that movie awful. And yeah. I can actually say that now, 
as I've watched the movie several times and my viewpoints in the movie have changed over a long period of time, I didn't like that. You know what that tells me what they did there? Every hero's sacrifice was total crap. It's pointless. That's what they're telling you in that scene. Every hero's sacrifice. In other words, when somebody sacrificed their life to save other people. Okay, so I think all the way back to Star Trek, right? Needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one. That's the ultimate heroic sacrifice. Mm -hmm. Rose Tico comes in and says, nope, because you can't love others. If you're dead, you can't love. So what good is being dead then? And I'm kind of like, it's the reason you sacrifice because you love, right? So to me, it takes the hero's sacrifice and it just totally poops all over it and destroys it. That's that's my viewpoint. As I saw it, it's uh, a way of the feminist agenda being able to take the male role of saving others and putting it in Rose Tico's hands and saying, she saved Finn, therefore she's important. Great, but then build a quality female, strong female character that we can all say, yeah, okay, females can do it too. And this is not a, a, a dig at the actress. No, no, I, this, this is, is not I'm looking that. Surely, I, I'm this putting has nothing that... to do with actresses and actors. I'm looking strictly at the character, the character's role. I'm looking at straight writing. Hey, well, yet again, I think that you're right, Gary. Writing played a role in this. I mean, it it and really then, did. And then they'll make mention that in the entire third movie, there there's this hint between her and Finn about something that they need to talk about, and we never got the answer on that. And I kind of sit here and go, and your point? There's nothing they needed to talk about. If there was something important, it would have been brought up. But there wasn't, so it dies. All right, our last one, number one. Smaller role, BB-8. You want to go last on this one, or you want to go first? <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, no, I want to explain this in a way that people can totally understand why I kind of have this mini love for BB-8. The first six Star Wars films were from the point of view of who? R2-D2 and C-3PO. Both. I was going to say. Okay? We get into these last three films, and I thought about this for a long time. Really, these last three films are told from whose point of view? BB-8's. BB-8's point of view. Because 3PO doesn't really have all that much involvement. He's Correct. more in the resistance. And R2 really is... And is powered out. Right. So BB-8 is your storyteller. So when people say, well, I want to make him a smaller role. Really? Because then you don't get Star Wars at all. I was going to say... Because Star Wars has always been told from the droid's point of view. If you've never understood that, then hand me your nerd card and walk away because you don't get Star Wars at all. The whole point of BB-8 was they needed to replace R2 and C-3PO. They wanted to, at some point, decommission these droids. Thank goodness they should. Why not update them? So to me, BB-8 is perfect the way he is. Personally, he could have been a little bigger because, again, he's supposed to be the central droid in the whole thing. He's the storyteller. Now, here's what I'll tell you. In Force Awakens, they did a great job. I thought he was part of the story all the way through. By the time we get to Last Jedi and... We get to Last Jedi. Well, we get to the... Yeah, the Last Jedi, which is the second one. What happened? BB-8 was with... BB-8 was almost not there. Yeah. It wasn't until the very end that they threw him on the robot with the the legs and had him... He basically took over an ATST. But that... He didn't play any sort of a role. Then we get to the, the last film, The Rise of Skywalker, and he plays somewhat of a role. Like, at the beginning, I had hope, because he was around while they were on the, the desert planet. 
But then when he went off in all different directions, what happened to BB-8? He's stuck at the resistance base. So again, to me, that's that's why I see BB-8 where I see BB-8. Okay, so your guys' thoughts. That's my thought, because I love BB-8. I would feel that his role was, in the first film, fine. Second and third film, it needed to be a bit more. I would have liked it that as Ray leaves, BB-8 follows, no matter what the heck you want. BB-8 is like, I'm coming along, I don't care. I'm here for the story. <laughs> I'm here to be part of this. And even then, in like, when you go to Clone Wars episodes and Star Wars as a whole, the droids are always the ones that have character. Okay. Outside of the actors, the droids still have character. Right, Harry, your thoughts? This is my opinion. <laughs> I'm not going to rail on your opinion. It's okay. You guys can like it or, or like it, hate it, whatever. For me, the story's always been through R2's eyes. Yeah. The last three movies should still have been through R2's eyes. Okay. Now, if you want to decommission R2, I don't have a problem with that at all. You want this new BB-8 to be the, the new storyteller or whatever? Fine. But it, it needs to have the full story. Right. So, R2 gets damaged, BB-8 gets damaged. So they had to take the memory core from R2 and put it in BB-8. I'm fine with it. I could have gone for okay. that. That yeah. I could have gone for. That, like, after they go and find Master Luke, R2 suddenly shorts I mean, out. If they're able to take uh, uh, L2SO's, you know, brain right. and put it in the Falcon, right? Yeah. yeah. Why couldn't they do that with R2 and put his brain in, in, in BB-8? BB-8. Hey, maybe Babu Frick can do that later. I don't know. <laughs> you know hey, the, what do you know? Now, the only movies that have not been through R2's eyes have been Rogue One and, and Solo. Solo. Yeah, yep. That's true. That's very true. Okay, so those are our thoughts on Falcon and Winter Soldier, Black Widow going on Disney+, Plus because we added that one in, and the five characters, and well, ten characters who deserve bigger and smaller roles in Star Wars. Those are our thoughts. We're going to be back in just a moment, ready for this one, folks, to review the first episode of the CW show, Stargirl. That's right. We're going to talk about Stargirl on this show. We'll be back in just a moment. Look, what's that ahead? Are those asteroids? No, they're commercials. We'll be right back. If lightning strikes in the desert and no one's around to hear it, does it make a sound? You bet it does. Introducing Lightning McQueen. Don't even think about crossing this hot shot unless you're hungry for a dust sandwich with a side of regret. Doc Hudson reeks of experience. With a chrome grill sharp enough to shave your mustache, it's safe to say with this old dog, new tricks come standard. Sporting dual exhaust with glass pack mufflers and a chrome undercarriage, Ramon's bodywork will melt your heart like a chocolate bar left on the dash. Don't underestimate Flo's polished appearance. She's as strong as the coffee she serves. As the sun bows its humble head, Flo's neon sign shines bright in the dark abyss. Speed, wisdom, style. Introducing the Cars Precision Series, Rulers of the Road, 
Heroes of the Highway. He was just the boy next door. Hi, well, hello there, Danny. I didn't know it was hockey season. Hey, can I borrow a knife? A deadly curse, a deranged killer, a small town in tears. Knife After Dark, rated R for retarded. The galaxy explodes. The rebels return. You can relive it all with Kenner's Star Wars Return of the Jedi Collection. The police diving in a hyperdrive. Got a moment. New B-Wing fighters and B-Wing pilot action figures, each sold separately. Batteries not included. Asteroid belt, lowering wings. Hold on tight. Just our laser cannon. New B-Wing fighter and B-Wing pilot action figures each sold separately from Kenner's Star Wars Return of the Jedi Collection. Do you own a business or a podcast? Are you looking for ways to expand the audience you reach? Then Star Productions could help you. Southern Tier Audio Recording Productions started off as a homegrown audio recording company, offering professional recordings for aspiring musicians. It is now a multifunctional business offering DJ services, recording, and advertising services to those who own businesses and podcasts. Email us at galaxycast at gmail.com with the subject advertising if you are interested. We look forward to creating a professional commercial for you that can be used in this podcast or even at your local radio station. Many have exclaimed that our services are out of this world. Thank you for your patience during our galactic promotions. And now we return to the Galaxy Cast. Hey folks, welcome back to this episode of the Galaxy Cast as we review Cold Check and Nick Sucker. No. <laughs> season one, episode one of Stargirl titled Ready for This? Pilot. <gasps> Such an original name. <laughs> right? Such an original name for the first show the, does, of the, the show. I didn't see any piloting, though. Well, yeah, I know. That, that's a little I'm, disappointing. There I'm, wasn't a lot of piloting going on. I'm sorry. That's I'm just... confused now. <laughs> you know, that's what I've got to do is, like, whenever I have first show, I just title the one pilot and just say, pilot for my dad and uncle so, and for Gary. Let me start off by no, saying no, this. No, 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 First off, go ahead. Your, your TV show for episode no, the number three yes. has to be three. three. Yes. Just three. Just three. That's the title. <laughs> and then episode four has got to be... Four. Four. For those of you that know what I'm talking about, you got to watch Holy Moly and you'll totally understand that. Okay, so we watched the very first episode of Stargirl, which came out actually last spring, sometime in the middle of COVID. I don't even remember when. It was funny because we were watching the show and Gary all of a sudden had texted me one night and was like, are you watching Stargirl? Just curious. And I'm like, yeah, love it. And he goes... Oh, cool. So I'm not the only one. I'm, no. Like, I think he was worried like he was watching the show and was like, the only one was like, this is amazing. Like we were, we were totally enthralled in the well, show. I, I'm sorry. This is very stereotypical CW. They grab a, C, a DC property and they start running with it and it's, but sometimes the it's not good. Touch, right? like, there are some that are not good, but right. the Midas touch came They to seem one. to be pretty good with, with DC shows. One thing I will say about the, the, the draw for me in for this show was that they are not only like modernizing DC a little bit here, which is good, and I'm okay with that. But they're also paying homage to 
the original JSA in their process of creating the new JSA, which I'm actually, I really appreciate the writers who apparently, I think, in this show truly understand DC comic lore and what it means to those of us, and I say that for Gary and I especially, who grew up with the original Justice Society of America. And I gotta I'll be honest, I, I still get them confused. Justice Society of America versus the JLA Justice League of America. How, how old do you think I am, Bob? <laughs> well, come on. I'm, well, I'm talking about the Silver Age going okay, into yeah, the, the Silver Age. Yeah, about, th- Silver this age. is the Golden Age. No, no, I get that. No, <laughs> I'm not talking about all the way, all the way back. Okay, I'm not talking about the 1950s. I get what you're saying. No, no. Austin, Austin said I was old. Uh, sorry, well, he, he said he liked the music. Because so. really, okay. So to explain <laughs> that, because people weren't in the room with us, we were we were listening to the show, and some some 50s music came on, and I had said to Gary he was going to appreciate the music. And Austin's like, oh, so it's like music from when you grew up. I'm like, I just kind of looked at my son. He's like, what? And I'm like, um, that's your grandparents' generation. And I'm like, what? He's like, well, I thought that was Gary. I'm like, no, Gary's like my brother's age, only like five years older than me. Well, I knew like, he was older than you. I didn't know by how much. How old do you think Gary is? Tread lightly. How old do you think Gary is? 49. You got her in the head. You got her in the head. He's 49. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, but he probably knew your age, and he added five he probably, years. Yes, he did. No, he and did. actually, I don't remember what your age is. I know you're over forty. I was born it. in seventy-six. Trombones. It's gonna say forty-four. Yes. Hey. So that would make hey. Gary forty-nine. Hey. Yes. <laughs> so, so I, I actually, I appreciated the beginning of this this particular episode. So if you haven't seen it yet, I highly suggest go get the CW app. It's free. You it's can awesome. watch the show for free, so go watch go watch Stargirl, the first episode, before listening to what we're about to say. I really appreciated the homage to the original uh, JSA. I really appreciated the, the... I mean, they showed some great characters, and, and not the typical, you know, like, you would expect to see The Flash, right? You would expect to see Green Lantern. You expect to see Fate, which we don't see... Which I was a little upset with, but I'm kind of like, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. I can live with it. I wanted to see Fate. I was hoping we'd see Fate. Uh, but you see Starman. You see Our Man. We see... Uh, Wildcat. Wildcat. Who's the... Who? We see, uh, we see Professor Midnight, but there's another one Professor who's... Professor Midnight, yeah. There's the, the wizard... I know oh, it's Doctor Midnight, sorry, not Doctor. Doc, yeah, Doctor Midnight. There's the wizard who's battling the other magical dude. I don't know. That's Starman. That started. That's uh, n- no. I thought it was somebody else because he was using white. I don't know. I don't know who you're talking about. I, I thought he was the Valen player. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Uh, no, I don't know who that is. And then we see some typical bad guys too. You know, the the mentalist, icicle. Uh, yep, Icicle and some others, and and it was a great homage. And I, I, it was really weird seeing. Well, first off, I'm glad they showed Star Man. We didn't jump right into Star Girl, which I was concerned we were just gonna do. Uh, and it's kind of hard to have Star Girl without Star Man, so they really did set that up well. And I was even more appreciative of the fact that they used Joel McHale of all people to play Star Man. Now I was worried when they casted Joel McHale. I'm like, oh great, Star Man's gonna be this like. <laughs> you know, like funny. No, but he, but he actually he played it well, yeah. and he actually, I was like, wow, Joel McHale's really got 
um, some action acting chops in him, and it's possible for him to do something seriously and to take it serious. You, so I fearing, appreciated that. Were you fearing he was going to take a Chris Pratt approach? Yeah, to I kind of was. Kinda I was like Star Lord. Yeah, we were going to have like a like Star Lord mix of Star Lord and Star Starman, and be like, mm, no, <laughs> that's not how Starman worked. Uh, so I really I, I appreciated that, and I thought I thought they did a great job setting up the entire first half of the show. Yeah. Then I kind of I, I worried about okay, so how are they going to move it from Star Man to Star Girl? How are they going to play that role out? And then uh, you know we get that ten years later thing, and you know using Luke Wilson as Stripe, uh, I thought was a really good, uh, again a kind of a great un- key to unlock moving forward. I thought that was a really yeah. great way to having, do it. Having Stripe live on even though the JSA yeah. all die. Yeah, so and I kinda and carries. he's trying to carry it on. Although there was a, a comic relief moment, yeah, and, and that was Mikhail saying, you know, somebody's got to carry on the mantle, not you, uh, anyone no, but you. Well, uh, Just make sure it's not you. Stripe says, "I'll try." He says, right. not, yeah, not you." Not you. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a typical Joel McHale kind of thing to do, and I, I just thought he did a great job with that. And, and I'm kind of glad that, that they they gave him a little bit, like that little bit of leeway to have a little humor in there. Um, just enough, but just not enough, too much. Just enough to make a laugh and, and get a general laugh at all three um, of us. So, so, you know, Luke Wilson really kind of carries on this mantle. And the whole rest of the episode is more about, like, how does he move forward having been part of the JSA and having knowing all these things he knows, uh, having the... the it's not called the stick, because that's what she keeps calling it. What's the it officially called? The Cosmic Staff. Thank you, the Cosmic Staff. Uh, having the Cosmic Staff, but realizing that he this really isn't something he's supposed to wield, but he needs to carry it forward for whoever's going to take up the mantle uh, later on. So to fast forward ten years, we get to him and Barbara Whitmore uh, being married and him having a girl who's not... His daughter, which is, you know, awkward. A lot of people... And I thought this was a great segue, too, because, you know, for families who are are mixed, and I'm saying, like, they... You know, like the Brady Bunch-style thing where you've got some kids yeah. from one and some kids from another. And, um, you know, that was what was original about Brady Bunch back in the 70s, the fact that we're going to openly talk about families that have to come together and figure out how to, you know... And, and so here I kind of feel like you're doing that inside of a comic book... TV show, like we, which we, was great. I'm loving that. We I like see that the idea. two separate families and how they interact with their, their friends their, and family, right. and their, their own, and then the kind of joining towards the middle right. where we see them moving into the new house and setting up the rooms. and. So then we, we kind of get a feel for the Stargirl character who is uh, played by Courtney Whitmore. No, Courtney Whitmore. Courtney Whitmore's her name, sorry. Uh, by, played by Brett Basinger. Um, How's it feel? Because you made fun of me for the Scott Lang thing. Whatever, whatever. I, I, I really... Apparently she's been on other roles, too. I didn't know that. Um, I wow. really... She... I thought she did a great job playing the um, fumbly, bumbly teenager who's not really fully fumbly, bumbly, if that really kind of makes sense, you know? She's not oh, popular. Wait, wait, wait. She was in the uh, DC Legends Tomorrow. Scroll back up. Yeah, right there. Yes, as Stargirl. Oh. Well, in twenty twenty. I, th- <laughs> I thought she she did the, the teenagery role well. Now Gary pointed out she's twenty two. No, she's twenty one. Twenty one, excuse me. It's close. And and she's playing the role of a teenager, so she's really 
you know, it's kind of weird. I, I've talked about this before, and I don't know if I talked about it on this show, but I've talked about it with other people. Um, I, I always find it odd that we never pick teenagers to play teenage roles. For whatever reason, we always pick young adults to play teenage roles. Well, there's probably way too much la- labor laws and paperwork. Not really, and... because we pick teenagers to play young adult roles. <laughs> so go ahead, explain that one. I, I've never been able to figure that one out from... For my knowledge, I don't get it. Maybe, if uh, but they, we if do it. If they're we do under it quite the age of sixteen, I feel like there's labor restrictions. Uh, it's actually under the age of fourteen. Under the age of fourteen, Hollywood, okay. There's labor restrictions. Well, that um, answers my question. But <laughs> from fourteen to eighteen, you've got a pretty big swath of time there. You could find a teenager. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, that, the only I, puberty that could be a snap. You who knows? I don't know. But anyway, I I liked her role. I liked the way she played this role. I think she fit well into this role, especially you know starting out. Uh, as the role of Stargirl. And so she and her brother, they're moving into a new house, new home, new town, all that kind of stuff. Uh, do we ever figure out why they're moving into this town? They never really say Mom's that. Get, the first Mom episode, got a job. Right? Mom got a job in town. Is that all we know at this yeah, point? Yeah, got a, got a did she get a higher up job in town. Okay. And they both decided that moving out there would be better than living in California. Right. For so reasons. We, we also kind of discover that, you know... There's some boxes of things that have some awkward stuff in it. You know, the moving men are having a hard time moving a box, which we all kind of figure out very quickly that it's the cosmic staff. Now, it's funny because I've watched this show now. I think this would be my third time watching through this particular episode. And Austin caught something. I haven't even caught the other two times, which is the moving company. Has the Action Comics Action Comics logo on it in their font. Action Moving. Right. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. So, like I said, there's little Easter eggs that if you really kind of pay attention, you can pick up on them real quick uh, and find them throughout the episode, you know? Throughout the whole episode, she's wearing, if you notice, she's wearing blue sweatshirt, white shirt with red, and she's wearing red and white sneakers. Right, so she's got the red, white, and blue blue already. I I did pick up on that the second time I watched it, that they kind of keep hinting at the color scheme for her throughout the first episode. Uh, so she, she like any teenager, she gets upset with her father. You know, the son's kind of a, a typical boy. I don't even know how to explain it. Nerd. I've been there, nerd, if you want to call it that. But, um, like, he, he, he she, does stupid things, too, which every boy does. Like, you know, putting marshmallows, marshmallows on microwave and blowing them up because why not? Because that's cool. I've, right? I've never done that, and I never wanted to. I don't understand. Oh, where's that. your sense of adventure? Uh, I think yeah, mom would kill me if I did that. I was going to say, do it tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, no. I'm sure mom would love it. No. Um, <laughs> no. Do it. <laughs> so, do it. Uh, that was just my evil voice again. I'm sorry, I don't know where that came from. Did you say do it? <laughs> <laughs> yes, do it. Um, so, so. Sorry. I, it's okay. So she gets angry. She goes downstairs to get away from Dad. I, I loved it. the the interaction you two guys have. Sometimes is hysterical because like Austin's like, why wouldn't he just go to his room? And Gary's like, why wouldn't she go to her room? And Gary's like, well, if you don't want people to find you, you don't go to your room. And Austin's like, oh, good point. Yeah, good point. <laughs> like, <laughs> and Gary's over there looking like Dave Filoni going, <laughs> right? <laughs> so and and apparently my son's never not wanted to be found. So it, it, I've never had that worry. Um, so. <laughs> So she goes to the basement where these weird boxes are, and she, you know, she tripped, I think, and fell into the one box. No, she kicked it because she, she was frustrated. Okay. She kicked it. And, like, just... and then she broke the frame, and that's where she found the picture of the old 
JSA. Uh, which, by the way, I thought was interesting. There were more characters in that picture than we saw in the opening scene. And we don't even get a really good... more. We don't really get a good look at the Flash's face. If you notice, we always get the lightning bolt right. or his shoulder. We never see his face. Because nope. he's vibrating. <laughs> there you go. There's a good answer. And the Green Lantern, we again, she flashes the picture on that corner and you can see he's there, but you're not quite sure. Yeah. We never saw Hawkman, officially. And Hawkgirl. He, he was and Hawkgirl. They were both in the picture, but they weren't seen in that opening scene. And, and the one for me that I was killing me was Doctor Fate was never seen. I was gonna say, even though he's in the picture. He's in the picture and he's in the background too, isn't he? Kind of like cross armed toys, like. No, he's right there in the picture. I just they we never saw him in the opening scene. So you know, I he's my one of my more favorite DC characters for those that don't know, and uh, I'll reveal why later because that that stuff's coming. You'll all see why. Trust me. And if you know all what I do as a hobby on the side, you know exactly what I'm talking about. A little hint on what's coming. And so... Uh, I'll keep my mouth shut on it. <laughs> yeah, you better. So, I like that scene. I love that. I, I just, I thought that was awesome that she gets a chance to see the JSA. And then, of course, the cosmic staff lights up and basically tells her, hey, I'm here. And I thought it was kind of interesting that, that Joel McHale's character, you know, Starman, told him, hey... The, the staff will find somebody for you, basically. And it glows, and she grabs hold of the staff, and it takes her pole up, 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 and away. Yeah, just kind of, yeah, pole dancing, if that's what you want to call it. Well, Gary. she does, like, gymnastic stuff, then she does the pole dancing. Well, I, she it, does. She does. Yes, yes, she does. Thanks, Gary. You're welcome. Yeah. I thought there was, I think it's interesting, too. One thing I like about what they've done with this show is the staff has its own character. Yeah, it, I didn't even it, realize it, it before, but it like giggles, right? It makes little sounds. Um, it's, it's, it, you know what it reminds me of a lot? R two warbles. No, no. Doctor Strange's cloak, because uh, it's got like the uh, same. You know, it's an inanimate object that yeah somehow has some personality. Like and, right out of Strange the movie, he tries to run away and the cape just it, stops. Right, right. <laughs> but but the thing is, at the same time, it has a voice to it. You can right, hear right. a bit so, of warbles and such. So. Unlike, unlike Strange's cape that doesn't have any voices here, which you're right, Gary, this this particular... Sorry. That's me. You're kicking. <laughs> <laughs> this particular thing uh, has voices to it, which is kind of cool. So you're right. It's kind of like a mixture of R2 and, and Strange's cape. But there, no, there's actual voices and stuff coming from it. Right, that's what I'm saying. Not just warbles. Oh, not well, just yeah, warbles. yeah. But like actual voices and stuff. I wasn't yeah. paying attention enough to hear anything. And she can talk to it. Did you catch that? Like, yep. yeah, she argues she's with having it. having full on conversations she's with it. With it. Right. And it's, it's so it's obviously like an, an alien. Well, and that's the thing. Like you, you find out later that it is an alien staff that came from somewhere else that and she's able sentient. to. Right, she's able to have conversations with and talk to, and so, but only the only the beholders that can can understand it are are able to wield it. Kind of like Thor's hammer in a way. Yeah. So she goes out and she does all sorts of crazy things with it. She, and she ends up at the drive-in. The drive-in, <laughs> and she tries to take care of some bullies. And I think she had all the right, you know, her heart was in the right place. She pulls out a mask pre-COVID, <laughs> and I, I, I think she just kind of like the, the staff went a little too far. There's <laughs> no way I can explain. Well, it. They, they got in a fight, and I just think he was. The staff def- got, defending her. In, yeah, oh yeah. I, I think it was defending her for right. sure. And, and yeah. Now, here's a question for you. What movie were they watching? No, I, I know, but I he may Gary not know. said it was Goonies, but I'm not 100% sold if that was it. Yeah, it was, it was Goonies in the it was background. Goonies? Yep. Okay. 
Yeah, they were in what the cave scene, right? If yep. I remember correctly. Yeah. One was dressed up in like a white dress, so that's why I was confused. <laughs> well, we gotta watch Goonies sometime. I watched... will do that near Halloween because okay. that's kind of Halloweenish. Um, but if you notice during the situation with the fight, she's not really she's being like ragdolled. That she makes is kind of being led around she's, by the staff. She's like holding it like yeah. this and being pulled around, and I just thought it was hysterical when the thing. Blows up the guy's car. Blows up the car and then giggles. And she's yeah. like, what did you do? Yeah, <laughs> and, and so like, she's going to get it. blamed for it. So bad she, stick, bad She stick. goes back, she meets back up with the Luke Wilson character, and that's yeah. when he explains to her that he worked with the JSA, that he was a sidekick, that... And he asks if he's, if, uh, are you okay? Is the staff okay? And she's like, yes. The car might not be redeemable or yeah, something yeah. like that. Lost I got some, some nice little humor thrown in you know, sprinkled in here and there, which I thought was, was really cool. And then they go and, and she has a discussion with mom and they go and have a discussion on the front porch where he explains that, you know, he had his nickname Stripe, <laughs> which is weird. She's like explaining how it's not very all that now much. She keeps uh, saying fearful. Stripe E. It's just Stripe, right? Like No, they did call him Stripe E. Stripe E? I thought okay. it was Stripes with an S. I thought end. so too. I thought the nickname was Stripes. When he was younger, it was Stripe E. Okay. Which made sense when he was... When Starman was uh, called uh, Stars and Stripes or something. Star Spangled Boy. Star Spangled Boy, yeah. yeah. Which is an actual DC character, by the way. I had to look it up while we were watching it the first time. Mm. Um, I remembered something about Star Spangled Lad, I think it is, is the official, uh, if I remember correctly, the official comic book character. But yeah, he was an actual actual comic book character. I think, really, at the time, it was DC's uh, answer to Captain America. Mm. Because they... they didn't want to do an overpowered man, so they did like a boy that kind of stood for Captain America. He didn't have a shield or anything, just, just I don't staff. know. Yeah, just it's it's typical DC trying to, you know, do what Marvel does but not. You know what I mean? So long story short, they have their discussion. Uh he t- suggests to her that maybe she not use the staff anymore because it's dangerous. Everything's dangerous. You know, he 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 does the typical father thing. Later that night, is it that night? No, it's the next day. No, it's that night because it's still night out when she does this. So it comes back that same night. I guess it's all the same night, huh? Mm-hmm. So she goes to go to bed, and the staff finds her, which we have some remarkable camera work going up the stairs. I thought that was a pretty cool thing. And we had a little bit the... of an ominous music cue if you heard it. Yeah, it was like it was almost scream esque. Yeah, yeah. Scares the crowd out of her. She falls out of bed. Mom comes upstairs. She has a discussion with mom, and then I just, you know, typical teenager, like, okay, and a good night. You know, and so the staff takes her out. They practice for a little bit. And then because Brainwave was researching where the car got exploded. Yeah, and he's the father he, to the kid that the car blew right. up. He suddenly realizes that the staff is out somewhere. Well, the staff takes them. Uh, she's flying along, and all, all of a sudden, sudden tires, tires get the thrown at her. And, uh, yeah, it's Brainwave, and she has her first interaction with Brainwave. And I, I thought, I, I like the way they're handling Brainwave, the fact that he can manipulate you mentally, physically. He's, he's got, you know, it's it's very typical Brainwave he, he's kind not, of stuff. He's not downplayed. He is very no. much full power. Right. And I'm, I'm kind of glad they didn't downplay his powers, that they, they definitely show you that he's got some serious, yeah, he's got some serious stuff behind in him. In efforts of trying to prevent uh, her mind to be found information like drags information out the staff blows something up 
Yeah. I and couldn't it, quite see how that happened. Did he blow up, like, gas cans? Tires. Uh, tires, yeah. Tires. And the other thing, too, that, that, that she's trying to do to block the guy. I don't know if you could have blocked Brainwave. I don't know if you caught onto it. She's, she's thinking about, about her dad. dad because she's figuring that, thinking about just her dad is just enough to kind of keep him from getting into her brain and figuring out who she is. Right, which is also dangerous, too, because of who her dad is. Right, exactly. Which she doesn't quite know that yet, and I don't think that the Luke Wilson character quite knows that yet. I think he, so, does, I think he knows, it's just... It's, he doesn't want to tell her, is what Right. Yeah. So, long story short, she manages to escape just enough, and she gets outside... And that's where she meets Stripe for the first time, and that's pretty and much that's the, the episode. Big robot, and then like cut to black, and they play more fifties music. And yeah, that's, yeah, that's it. And you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, I like how he says it, and they start playing more fifties music. And he, right. And he, yeah, talking so, about Gary's yeah, music. Talk yeah, about me. Yeah. Hey, 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 I just used this hand. It's not. You're, you're, you're pointing right at me. You're seventy playing years old, aren't you? I mean, like that's what uh, I thought. You were. I guess sorry. I am. I guess yeah. I am. Yeah. I'm sorry. I mean. <laughs> so, what did you guys think about this first episode of uh, Star Girl? Is it was this like? I know for me, this is what drew me into the show. Like the minute we watched this first episode, and I realized that they were not only going to try to build the JSA potentially. But that they were going to honor the old JSA and really kind of do justice to the Justice Society. I, I really, that kind of made me happy. I was I was happy to see what they were doing. Um, so, you know, I, to me, anybody who would ever ask me, I would be like, this is like an 8 or 9 out of 10. Or it wouldn't, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have kept watching the show. It, it really drew me in quickly. If I ever, because this is the first time I watched the first episode. Right. I don't know if I'd have gotten into it or not. Really, you think so? All right. Okay. What what wouldn't what wouldn't you have been so keen on? The pace for it. The pace it was, was a little slow. This first one, you know, know. the highlight for it is Grundy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know that, that that was the highlight for me. And other than that, it was. Have we? There was a lot of fluff as far as backstory right. and tell storytelling and it, yeah, and of course it had my music in it too. So that, that, yeah, that, yeah, that's yeah. the other thing I liked about it. What you oh grew goodness. up with? So. Yep, yep. So uh, Austin, like, if you were gonna rate it, Gary, out of a ten, what would you think you would? Probably about a five or six. Okay, so not great, but not like no. go home. Right. What, I, what do you? I'd think, be Austin? up with you around a seven or an eight. So I'm gonna put seven down. Like the fact that they didn't depower Grundy. That Grundy's very tall. Compared it, to many of the other guys. It, it was probably the best representation for Grundy in all Have we action. seen Grundy in anything else for DC Gotham. shows? He showed up in Gotham, but I really kind of felt, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Gary, he was very underpowered. Yes. He was all white. He was very weird. And quite honestly, I don't feel like it was Solomon Grundy at all. He, he, he wasn't big enough. Right. He he didn't have that Hulk size going right. on. Right, which is basically DC's version of the Hulk. Right. Except he's a so you can't. To me, you really can't downplay him. I mean, yeah. You got to upplay him, if anything. You got to you got to make him ominous and big in presence. And you kind of, as I mentioned when I, we watched it, you see him as he's running. You see this like swinging motion. Mm-hmm. And if I remember correctly, he was hung. Correct. Yes. So yes. that's this, the noose hanging at his neck. Stuff. Yep. So the characters are well portrayed and played out correctly. We see a nice progression. It's not like she picks up the staff and she can wield it like it's second nature she's training with it you can kind of see that progression and i like that um i like the fact that stripes has went to stripe and has built a robot and we learn more about it later on in the series which i will try to keep separate 
I like the fact that it's a nice flat area to build the world on. Mm-hmm. It's not 100% like we are going to jump right in with Stargirl. We kind of established what happened before, and here's where we're going now. That is the one thing I appreciate about this. Like, a lot of shows like to, especially comic book shows, like to jump right into the, I got powers, now what do I do? Right? Like, I kind of yeah. felt, at times, like, Flash did that quite a bit, and I think they <laughs> tried to stay faster. away from that. Right. Like, I think they tried to stay away from that this time around. Yeah, they, they definitely tried to make it more round. And I feel like story Star play. Girl as a teenager felt like a teenager. I think it's why Ruth, our daughter, got drawn into it because <laughs> she played the teenager role well. And I think that any teenage girl watching this show who kind of grew up like this girl did, kind of like she wasn't really the outcast, but she felt like the outcast. And you you do see her lash out after some uh, punk boy tries to take her right. phone and she throws a punch. Right. I mean, what? so she she, you know. What, what, what I saw was she went from being Miss Popular Girl out in California to being Miss Outcast in Nebraska. Yes, exactly. Yeah, That's it. Gary. You wrapped girl. it up right there. So I'm kind of glad that they're portraying that because some kids go through that. You know, it's and I always think that you know you're you're when you're a teenager, you're always trying to find somebody who's gone through the same crap you're going through, and you're just trying to make sure that you're not the only one feeling the way you're feeling. Uh, and so I think this show kind of hit up on that, at least as far as like kids who've moved around the country and stuff. So, so those are our thoughts on Star Girl. I know it's kind of weird for us to talk about something other than Star Wars or Star Trek or something like that, but we thought this would be a nice like introduction to something outside of Star Wars. And we may do another episode or two of Star Girl before we get into the Mandalorian because I think that these are kind of fun to do. So we hope you liked our review of Star Girl, and I hope we'd love to hear from you. So if you get a chance, uh, email us galaxycast at gmail.com or find us on YouTube and make a comment or find us on Twitter and Facebook and all those other social media apps. Uh, we, we would love to hear from you. So as we always like to say here in the Star Production Studios, may, may the, the force be with those who listen to 50s music. And Jedi Master Dillion. Shazam! Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. We hope you enjoyed this show. Were it not for you, our loyal listeners, this show would not exist. We appreciate your time and want to hear from all of you, since our podcast is by fans and for fans. Head on over to our website at galaxycast.com to find out more about our show. Write to the show by sending an email to galaxycast at gmail.com. If you have something positive to say, use the subject line, We like and use a show. If you have a complaint, make your subject line, You've failed me for the last time. And look for the GalaxyCast on social media, including Facebook, Twitter, and other media soon to come. Carry on, wayward travelers. Warp Factor 2. First star to the left, straight on till morning.